0: The John Morris Show, episode 435. In this video, I'm gonna show you six different ways you can land your first client. Some you probably know, and some you probably never heard of. Coming up, this episode is sponsored by ConfigCat. Easily use feature flags in your code with ConfigCat libraries for Python and nine other platforms. Toggle your feature flags visually on the visual dashboard, hide or expose features in your application without redeploying code, Set targeting rules to allow you to control who has access to new features. ConfigCat allows you to get features out faster, test in production, and do easy rollbacks. You can try it out with their forever free plan or get 25% off any paid plan with the code MORRIS2021. Release features faster with less risk with ConfigCat. Check them out today at ConfigCat.com. So one of the simplest things you can do to land your first client is simply to ask a friend or family member because these people already know you and trust you. You don't have to necessarily do a ton of convincing and they're going to be willing to work with you. Be a little more lenient when it comes to delivery and help you to be able to refine that process a little bit more if you do it right. Uh, And really the thing when you first start is you need to focus on building your portfolio. So it's not all about the money, which I know is something You know, if you're in a financial position where you really need to start making money with this, that can be (laughs) a little frustrating but you really want to build your freelance business sound uh, and based off sound fundamentals, and your portfolio is a big part of that. And so being strategic and being smart with those first few projects that you put in your portfolio are really important. Uh, And so if you do this right, that can help you to get off the ground really, really quick. Now, some things that I recommend when you do this in order to make it as painless as possible, As much as possible, make sure and charge. Even if it's not that much, you want to charge something. And there's a couple reasons for that. First off, if you create the precedent among your family and friends that you're gonna do free work for them, it becomes really hard to break and it puts a lot of pressure on you because you might have done the first project free. That person goes around and starts telling everybody that you built their website or created their logo or whatever for free. Now all those people if they want to take you up on your services, they start to expect the same thing. And telling one friend, hey, I want to charge you when I didn't charge this other one, it becomes a little bit of a conflict. So you really want to charge from the very beginning, even if it's not that much, that way you set the precedent. And when this first person that you work with starts going around telling everybody, the story is that you also charged them. It wasn't a ton, but you did charge and everybody else will expect that when they come to you for work. It also gets you used to the idea of charging people for what you do and gets you over that first hump. That first time that you charge someone can be a little scary. And so just getting over that hump and getting used to that, it helps you to build some confidence uh, and and not be afraid to charge for what you do. And that can be a really big hurdle for a lot of people. And if you're doing it with a friend or family member, again, you're going to have a little bit more leeway if you pick the right person. Uh, and, and it's going to be a little bit easier for, for you to go through that process. So it's not as much pressure as it would be uh, with a fully paid client. You also want to be strategic in who you ask. I mean, I have a brother that if I were starting over today, he'd be the first person that I go to because not only does he know everybody somehow, he just, you can walk down the street and almost in the middle of nowhere and he knows everybody that he sees. So he has a huge network but also he just runs his mouth a lot. I love him, but he does talk a lot of smack. And so I know that if I do something for him, that he has a bunch of people and he's probably gonna tell them all about what I did and he's gonna introduce me in this and that. And so he would be a really smart person for me to start with. So you wanna be strategic in that sense. Also, another way you could use this is if you have a friend of yours or a family member who tends to be a little more grumpy, I would be a good fit for this. (laughs) Uh, If they tend to be a little bit more grumpy and you know that they're gonna kinda put the screws to you when it comes to the delivery and tell you stuff they don't like and, and call you on your BS a little bit, that's a good person to help you really refine your delivery process before you go out to a paid client because that's what a paid client's gonna do. So it's a good idea to go through that maybe once if you have a friend like that, that will do that for you. It may be frustrating, but it can be of value to you. Again, long-term fundamentals, building your business right from the start. So those are a couple examples, but just be strategic in who you ask. Don't just ask the easiest person or the nearest person or anything like that. Think about it a little bit and ask people who are going to help benefit you building your business and also growing and expanding and marketing and getting new clients and so forth as best you can. Another thing here, you just want to get it done as fast as possible. When you're working with family and friends, it can be a little tricky. uh, And the longer it drags on, the more potential there is for issues coming up. And now you have a friend or family member where there's this big elephant in the room every time you meet them. So Don't treat it like a side project or something that you don't have to pay attention to. I would make it your main focus actually and get it done as fast as possible so you can get the testimonial, the review, the thing for your portfolio, them talking awesome about you and all of that stuff. You can get to the ultimate result that you want as quickly as possible. Also, I recommend doing a contract and everything. Again, it sets the precedent with them that you're taking this serious, this is a real thing, this is not just, hey buddy, let me do this for you, like you're treating it seriously, and so that gets them to do the same. Also, it gets you just, again, used to going through that process so that you get comfortable with it and you know how it works. You can get your contract written, you can get how they're gonna sign it, you can figure out all of that stuff with someone who's, again, is likely to work with you a little bit more than a regular client might. So treat it like a regular client, do the whole shebang, a contract, all of that stuff. Uh, and that'll help you to get that experience. I, I kind of mentioned this, but you can use this to build and refine your delivery schedule. I think actually in a lot of ways, have, working with a friend or a family member can be more beneficial as your first one or two clients than actually getting a paid client first off. And the reason that is, is because you're going to be able to, to the next point, you're going to be able to ask a lot of questions. You're going to be able to talk with them a little bit more than you might with a regular client and be able to ask them, hey, what'd you think of this? How was this? What was this experience like? What would you do here? What do you think of that, Etc. And be able to really dig in on the delivery process, the, even the sales process, all of that, um, and really be able to get some good answers from that person about the overall experience and use that to refine your delivery schedule. So, again, I think in a, in a lot of ways, asking a friend can be more beneficial as your first couple of clients than a paid client because a paid client is probably not going to give you as much of that feedback. And you're not going to want to ask them for as much of that feedback because they're a regular paying client that you don't know as a a friend or family member. So, again, it might seem obvious, but asking a friend could really be a good way to get your first clients. If you do it correctly, it can help you to really jumpstart your business uh, and get off the ground and get the confidence, get the information, get the data that you need to then go out and be able to market more aggressively and also be able to deliver and do a good job for clients. So don't overlook it. I know a lot of people recommend against it. Uh, I'm actually for it uh, if you do it in a very specific way and you follow some of the the guidelines that I've set out here. Okay, next is bartering with a local business. So just as an example, I have a local chiropractor that I exchange services with. I get free adjustments from him. And in exchange, I manage, manage his website for him. I also get a link back to my own website from a high domain authority website. Cause he has a website that's pretty popular, has good domain authority. And so I get a link back to my website from his. And the big thing here is a lot of people, this may sound weird, like, oh, businesses won't do this. They absolutely will. Uh, you find the right business, you find the right person, they will do it. And there are a lot of businesses that are more open to it, uh, than you might think. You just have to approach it correctly. So the thing to do is to start with the relationship first. You don't want to lead in with the ask. You don't want to go right in and just be like, Hey, let's barter. You want to actually get to know the person a little bit, patronize their business and, and then let it be come up as a natural part of conversation, you know, and actually do some research to make sure that they, they actually need your services before you ask them. Okay. Uh, When you get it, if you approach it that way, a lot of times they'll be the one that brings it up uh, when they figure out what you do and they might actually need your services, they'll be the one to bring it up. And that's actually what happened with me in this particular case. As I mentioned, you want to invest in their service first. So a big thing with businesses like this, they're used to and most afraid of being taken advantage of. So in a situation like this, you want to send clear signals that you're not trying to take advantage of them. And a good way to do that is just to go and patronize their business, go to the chiropractor, go to the doctor, you know, go to the lawyer. And if you actually need one of their services, go and use it. And then as that relationship de- develops, then lead into the ask about bartering with them uh, for services. So and the thing about local businesses is they tend to have big networks because they're out there networking, they're out there trying to get clients, they have their own clients and customers. They're always out there trying to get more. A lot of them are part of meetup groups, etc. So if you can get in good with one or two local businesses that can open you up to a whole network of potential clients. So it's worth taking the time and investing this. Of course, you wanna make sure it's services that you'll actually use. Uh, because if, you, if, if you're if you bartering with someone and the service that you're getting, is it something useful to you? You're gonna start to feel a little jaded and resentful and like it really isn't benefiting you all of that much. So you wanna make sure that it's services that you'll actually use. And also it's hard to start a relationship with someone if you're not actually going there consistently you know, to, to use the services, getting your hair cut, getting uh, your back worked on or getting massage or whatever it is. Uh, it's hard to build a relationship if you're not actually using the services. And again, with this, you wanna be strategic, right? Everybody in this particular area, this chiropractor, they know who he is, they respect him, they trust him and his testimonial, anything that he might say about me, his recommendation has clout with those people. So again, you just wanna be strategic uh, in in who you choose to barter with here. But again, a lot of local businesses would be willing to do this and could be a great way to get your first client. Again, get a testimonial, get a review, Get experience going through the process and get that item to put in your portfolio and that can help you to jumpstart your freelance career. All right, next is joining a meetup group. So there are literally networks of business people who get together to exchange leads and information and support each other all over the country, at least here in the United States. I'm sure it's in other countries uh, as well. They, that's This is what they do. They get together and they exchange leads. Some of the groups, the whole point is you have to show up every meeting with a lead to exchange with someone else. So uh, other groups, it's about information and so forth, and they share leads as they can, but there's this whole resource out there that exists that I know have noticed a lot of freelancers don't take advantage of. Why not use that resource? Even if you never get a lead from it, the support, the, the, the getting to know people, the, the just interacting with other be- business people and getting information and so forth and just being around like-minded people is going to help you to really feel like you belong uh, as a part of this community, as someone uh, in the business community. So it can be very powerful. Plus, if you do it right, you can get a ton of leads from it. So the way to do it is you wanna pick a network whose members are your ideal Client, because there will be networks where, let's say you're a developer, you could go join a network like this of other developers. And that might be valuable to you in terms of support and information and knowledge and so forth. And I'm not saying don't do that, Uh, absolutely do that if you want to. But if you really wanna get leads, if you wanna get clients, you wanna pick a group where they are actually, the members of that group are actually people who would hire you for your services. So as a web developer myself, the groups that I joined would be people that are realtors, there was insurance agents, there were just sort of local businesses that owned shops and like clothing shops and so forth. All of these people were people that either had websites that needed redone, managed, etc., or they wanted websites. And so they were actually people who would hire me for my services. And that's where all of my leads came from. Uh, as a result of these networks. And that's why I was able to get so many leads out of these networks uh, because I picked the right group. So again, pick a network whose members are your ideal client. Then once you're in there, just focus on being helpful. You don't have to go in and just be really aggressive and selling your stuff and being you know all slick and this and that. The more information you give, the more people are gonna trust you, respect you, see you as a source of knowledge and wisdom and information, and that's gonna lead them to want to work with you, and the more leads and the more clients will come back to you. So you don't have to go in and be super salesy. Uh, Just go in there, share information. Again, as a freelancer, you can share all the information because these people, they don't want to do it themselves, right? They they want to hire somebody. So share as much information as you want and become a trusted source. That's what's going to lead to success here. And just think of every person in the group as a quote unquote node in your social network that links to dozens, maybe hundreds of other people. So if you honor those relationships, you share information. If one of those people, one of those nodes on the network sees you as a valuable resource and someone they like and trust, they can open you up to dozens if not hundreds of other people that could be potential clients that they could recommend you to talk about you rave about you whatever so just be really cognizant of those relationships uh, and honoring those relationships and and being someone that others know like uh, and trust as far as group size, you know, the, the smaller groups are going to be easier to get into and become known as someone that is, is a trusted resource. You also have larger groups that may have thousands, hundreds of thousands. Some of them are nationwide networks that have hundreds of thousands of people. But every community, at least that I've ever been in and done this, tends to have a dominant sort of network uh, in the area. That's the big network. And so you obviously want to be a part of that. But you also want to be in some of the smaller ones where there's 15 20 people so that you can become known and trusted and liked and then you leverage the context in that network to help you in the bigger networks because almost all of these people are going to belong to multiple meetup groups almost all of them are going to probably belong to that dominant local one and so the ones that you get to know in the smaller group can help introduce you to others in the bigger group, and that helps you to maximize uh, the value that you get out of those larger groups. So again, just be smart, be strategic, think about how you want to do this, um, and, and that'll lead to success with this. Now, as far as getting started, you know, meetup.com is a good place to start. If you go there, you can look up meetup groups in your local area. You can search by topic, and there's, depending on where you live, there might be hundreds of groups. Even where I live, I live like literally in the middle of nowhere, about as boony ish as you can get. There's still several different groups in this area that I could join up in. So, There may be hundreds of groups that you can go through and sift through and just you know ultimately pick one and see how you join and get started and just get that first one under your belt and then you can kind of go from there you'll have a better understanding all right the next thing you can do is to sponsor a local team or organization which i think some of you might be like what but don't underestimate this because 20 to 30 dollars which sometimes these sponsorships that's all they cost That can get you in front of thousands of potential eyeballs your name on the back of a little league jersey or you know on the seat cushion that people get when they when they buy them from the the stands you know that's uh, when i was in high school at least that's what they had uh you know whatever it is your name mentioned on the radio a lot of these sponsorships don't cost all that much and there's thousands and thousands of people that pay attention to these sports overall when you look at the big picture Um, so again, a very low investment can get you in front of a lot of people and just get your name out there. If you, if you think about the, the context of maybe right now in your local area, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows what you do. And you're thinking, how do I get my name out there? How do I get people to know who I am? This is a really easy, cost effective way for you to be able to do that. And not only that, but it creates a ton of goodwill, right? If you are the person that helps, that gives some money that helps you know, someone's kid be able to get T-shirts for their little league uh, team. Those parents, those people, are going to be incredibly grateful. So it creates a ton of uh, of goodwill. And one of those parents might be, you know, like my brother, who knows everybody and talks a lot of smack and goes around talking about you or introduces himself to you and wants to know more about you. What do you do? Hey, I really appreciate you sponsoring. Da 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 da. Again, it can just create a ton of goodwill. Don't underestimate that goodwill. Goodwill can trump talent, can trump marketing, acumen, all of those things. Just being someone who other people like and they want to help, they want to see succeed because you've been good to them, that can override a lot of the other stuff. Not 100%, but it can help you get your foot in the door. Also, you're going to be building, when you do this, a lot of these these sponsorships are set up through the coaches, through the organizers. And those people tend to have oversized networks because they're the coach of the little league team or the high school football team. All of the parents and all of the people associated with those programs tend to know who they are uh, and want to talk to them, want to be, you know, want to be uh, known by them, etc. So they tend to have oversized networks, and so if you get those people where you're sponsoring their teams on a consistent basis, you get those people on your side. That can help also to really get your name out there and create a, a ton of goodwill. Now, when you're doing this, do do a little bit of research, right? You wanna sponsor the teams that get extra attention. So for example, high school football teams tend to get oversized attention. They tend to have you know more fans and supporters and so forth. It's not 100% across the board, but that's just a general rule of thumb. And so you just look at your local area and kind of look at the organizations and the teams that tend to get a, a little bit more attention. And those are the teams that, that you want to sponsor. Another thing, radio sponsorships tend to be better than signage because, you know, you might have your logo on the back of the t-shirts, but who's all going to see that? Are people in the stands going to see that? Maybe not the, 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 the parents will obviously know because they have to wash their kids' clothes and all of that stuff. But if you're, if you do a radio sponsorship, A lot of times they read out the sponsors on the broadcast multiple times throughout the broadcast. So your name is getting constantly mentioned and you don't necessarily have to pay all that much more for that kind of sponsorship. So it's at the very least worth looking into doing a radio sponsorship over a signage. If you can do both, do both. Um, but the radio sponsorships, again, tend to be better because your name is actually said and everybody listening to that, co- that broadcast will hear it multiple times. And then the last thing here is just when you do this, really what you want to try to do, again, it depends what you can spend and what you have available, but you want to saturate the community. Not just one team, but every team that you can sponsor so that people are constantly hearing your name and they start to see, you know, you're sponsoring everything. And that creates even more goodwill. And you might spend two hundred dollars in a year to be absolutely everywhere. Every time someone listens to a, radio, a sports broadcast on the radio, every time someone goes to a game, you're on the shirts, you're on the you know you're on the programs, you're on the seat cushions, you're on the radio being mentioned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're just saturating the community with your name. Again, the idea of how do I get myself known? How do I get people to know who I am and what I do? This is a really cost effective way to do that in your local area that not a lot of people think about. And if you do this enough, I'm, I'm confident that you're going to get a client out of this. And for a lot of people, a lot of freelancers out there, what they do, you're talking about $200. One client could give you an ROI of 10, 20, 30, 40%. So, or. 100 200 300 400%. <laughs> so it can it can be very very cost effective if you do it right. Before I continue, a quick word from our sponsor, ConfigCat. ConfigCat is a feature flag service. Easily use feature flags in your code with ConfigCat libraries for Python and nine other platforms. Toggle your feature flags visually on the visual dashboard, hide or expose features in your application without redeploying code, set targeting rules to allow you to control who has access to new features. ConfigCat allows you to get features out faster, test in production, and do easy rollbacks. You can try it out with their forever free plan or get 25% off any paid plan with the code MORRIS2021. That's morris S two zero two one. Release features faster with less risk with ConfigCat. Check them out today at configcat.com. Next is of course freelance sites. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention freelance sites obvious, but it's still a great place to get started because there's just pools of clients ready to buy. They're waiting, just waiting for the right freelancer to show up. And that could be you. So they're obvious, but don't overlook them. You, Of course, they handle all the contracting, payments, disputes, all of that stuff for you, which is one of the nice things about them. They do charge fees. So you have to understand that and you have to decide what works best for you. Um, but again, they handle a lot of the stuff, a lot of the marketing, getting the clients there, the contracting, the payment, handling payments. A lot of them have messaging. They do a lot of things for you that uh, if you've never freelanced outside of one, you start to realize, oh, there's a lot of this extra stuff that I have to do on my own. A couple things here. One, recognize every site is different and that they have their own sort of rules and how they're out. Al- Most of these are algorithm-based and how those algorithms work tend to be quirky because they get mountains of data and buying behavior actually is a little bit counterintuitive from what you might just at first blush think. So the big mistake I see a lot of freelancers make with freelance sites is they go to them and they think, well, this is how it should work. And so they build their entire profile and their entire strategy around how it should work, not how it does work. So you wanna take some time to, to look at these and gather as much information as you can, you know, read blog posts, YouTube videos, take courses if you have to, whatever, and get as much information about a particular site as you can so that you understand how they work and what their quote unquote rules are, not just their terms of service, but really how the algorithm works uh, and figure that out. Because if you do, one freelance site can bring you a ton of work. So again, it's worth investing that time. Another thing here is to understand the freelancer archetypes and pick the right site. So you have the taskmaster versus the specialist. These are the two kind of big ones. There are more than this, but these are the two big ones. And a taskmaster is essentially someone who completes a task. And it's something that the client could probably do themselves, but they just don't want to. And so they're hiring someone else. So they're paying you for convenience, for time, for not having to put in the work and the effort, etc. But again, they could probably do it themselves thinking, think something like creating a PowerPoint slide or um, walking a dog. Those are things that they could do. They just don't want to. Okay. That's a taskmaster. that tends to be sites like Fiverr. You're going to have those sites are more built around that. So you want to, if that's what you are, it's perfectly fine. If that's the service you provide, you just know, you're going to have a hard time trying to go on Upwork. And and offer that service because that's not really what the clients over uh, on Upwork are looking for. Vice versa, if you're a specialist and you go to to Fiverr, uh, again, there you can do some of that there, but it's not really what the site is oriented around. They're trying, Fiverr is trying to become more of that, Um, but a lot of the clients there, that's not what they're looking for. So, the right archetype for the right site, you know, specialist of course is someone who. Um, the client probably couldn't do it themselves or they couldn't do it as well themselves. And so they're hiring someone for their talent, their wisdom, their expertise, etc. cetera. Um, and so it's just a different thing that, that, that they're after. They're not looking for someone to just complete a task. They're looking for someone um, who can do something that they can't do themselves. Tends to play better on Upwork and freelancer.com and some of these other sites out there. So just know the archetype that you're in and pick the right site for that archetype. Also, a big mistake that I see: you must, must, must address what I call the new freelancer problem. Right? So, what this is is it's, it can be two things: either you're brand new and you have no portfolio, you have nothing to put in your, you know, you have no client reviews, you know, have none of that stuff. You don't have any job history, etc. You have to address that with clients. You have to say something. You have to say, "Hey." I'm new, you know, but I built X number of sites on my own or check my portfolio to see what I'm capable of or whatever. Yeah, I don't have a ton of job history, but here's why you should hire me anyway. You have to have that discussion because if a, a, a client goes to your, your profile on a freelance site and sees no job history, no reviews, no testimonials, no nothing, why are they gonna pick you when there's thousands of other people who do what you do who have all of that stuff? And it gives them a sense of confidence. So you must address that. You're not gonna convince every co- client, but you'll convince a few to give you a shot and that gets you going, that starts building your job history and then you don't have as big of a new freelancer problem. It could also be that you've been freelancing for a while. You do have a portfolio and all of these things. You're just new to the platform. You still have to address that, right? Cause you're not gonna have the job history. You're not gonna have the ratings and views. You might have the portfolio you could put there, but you have to say, hey. I've been a freelancer for 15 years. I've just I'm just new to Upwork. So here's some testimonials of clients that I've worked. With. Here's a list of clients I've worked with, check my portfolio, etc. Like I've done this a lot. I'm just new to Upwork. That's why you don't see the ratings and reviews up there. You have to have to have to address that when you're on the freelance sites because there's so many other people there who have those things and that's what people, clients rely so heavily on when they're over there is looking at those, the ratings and the reviews and the testimonials and all that stuff. You have to address it. Otherwise, they're just gonna pick someone else and move on and not give it a second thought. So make sure you do that on any freelance site that you go on. The last one here that we'll talk about then is the online influencer. So the thing about online influencers, they've got huge, networks, right? So they have a lot of people that are following them. They have a lot, tend to have a lot of influence, thus the name, with a large group of people. So if you can get one of these people who knows you, likes you, wants to talk about you, that can be a big boon for your freelance business and help you to land your first client. Keep in mind, they have people asking them for stuff constantly, okay? I I get this a lot. People... Every time they email, every time they message me, they're asking me for something. They want me to answer a question for them. They want me to do this for them. They want me to do that for them. They're always asking me to do something for them. You can ask any online influencer out there, they'll tell you the same. The majority of people who contact them, that's what they do. So if you come in and you want to give them something, legitimately, not I'll give you this if, or I'll give you this in under the guise of you're gonna promote my stuff. You just legitimately go in and say, here, I wanna give you this. I wanna do this for you. Nothing in return. I I swear I don't want anything back from you. That would be a breath of fresh air. And the thing about it is most actually do need help, right? If they're popular enough, they have enough going on that they're already hiring people, right? I hire people all the time. So they need help. So if you go in and you're offering to do it for them for free or at a very reduced cost, like that's a breath of fresh air to them. And they're actually gonna be probably more willing to listen to it than you might uh, expect. Now, the thing here, and this is the hardest part for people, don't expect anything in return. Don't go into it with a quid pro quo right off the bat, right, because they're gonna sniff that out and and I'll just like, I can tell right away when someone's doing that. And I just kind of like, okay, whatever, and I'll look, but it's not the same as if someone were to just come in and be like, "Here, let me do this for you um and I don't expect anything in return and The thing you have to realize is is that if you overwhelm them with help right if they if you really do give them something and it's amazing and you do a great job, like they're gonna talk about you eventually it's it's that's what they do. they go online, they talk, they post they you know they're gonna talk about you eventually, you don't even ever have to ask it's going to come up you may find that one person out there, that influencer out there that doesn't, but nine out of 10 will. So if you do this with a couple, you're gonna find that if you just focus on helping them as much as possible, doing as good a job as possible as, as you can for them, they're going to talk to about you. And again, for you, that one person, they may have 50,000 followers. So if they mention you in in some way, shape or form, like you're going to get noticed as a result of that and it's going to lead to clients. So you just, you won't ever really have to ask if you do it right. The other thing is it can also open up potential collaboration opportunities, the poten- potential for you to, you know, go on their YouTube channel or, you know, to create some content for their, their Instagram account or whatever it is. It can op- open up those collaboration opportunities, which can be even more valuable. So it's, it's worth investing some time in this. Now, just know they'll be skeptical for a while. They're used to being taken advantage of. That's what most people, again, most people just come in and want something uh, from them. So just stick to helping as much as you can and you'll be fine. And as I've said, one big influencer can kickstart your entire freelance career. The example I'll use is Michael Hyatt. You know, I did a project for Michael Hyatt. He had at that time it was like 350,000 uh, visits to or visitors to his blog every single month. He mentioned me on his his blog at one point, and you know, I suddenly started getting all these people who wanted me to build them websites. So one influencer um, can kick your kickstart your entire freelance career. I made tens of thousands of dollars off of that one mention uh, from him. So don't overestimate it. Ultimately though, at the end of the day, what matters is that you do something. Probably the biggest thing that I see where people get stuck getting their first client is they don't do anything or they kind of half ass do something, right? If you do that, then you're never gonna get anywhere. If you're gonna, you know, if you wanna get your first client, do something and do it all the way. So pick one of these things that I mentioned or something else out there that you may have come across and just do it and that's how you're going to get the result that you're after. Anyway, that's the episode. If you liked it, I'd appreciate if you'd uh, hit the like button, subscribe, and we'll talk to you next time. This episode is sponsored by ConfigCat. Easily use feature flags in your code with ConfigCat libraries for Python and nine other platforms. Toggle your feature flags visually on the visual dashboard. Hide or expose features in your application without redeploying code. Set targeting rules to allow you to control who has access to new features. ConfigCat allows you to get features out faster, test in production, and do easy rollbacks. You can try it out with their forever free plan or get twenty-five percent off any paid plan with the code Morris2021. That's M O R R I S two Zero Two One. Release features faster with less risk with ConfigCat. Check them out today at configcat.com.